Good morning. everybody we're back you're listening to avoiding the puddle my name is eris and i'm here as usual with the legend mikey mike what's up mikey how you doing good good what's up eris it's everybody. been a while yeah i know it's been like a month i've been real busy with all these shirts and doing all this shit and enjoying the uh mortal Kombat demo that came out totally <laughs> totally Rick not. told me you totally broke the game down already <laughs> totally not enjoying that demo uh, and, you know, you know, it's been busy lately, but we're going to get another podcast out to you guys. Um, first of all, today's guest is Ling Massacre from upstate New York. Uh, we talk about Ling Xiaoyu and all kinds of, you know, different topics, philosophies and stuff. Uh, but, but before we get to that later on, uh, there's a couple topics I wanted to talk with you about, Mike. Um, first of all, uh, you know, everyone knows about the catastrophe that happened in Japan recently and the earthquake mm-hmm. and tsunami and all that shit. And, you know, it's like it's, it's a big deal, of course. And the thing is that, you know, this kind of shit happens from time to time in a bunch of different countries. And normally, if you ask me about it, I don't usually give too much of a shit. But in this case, you know, this is really like a big deal to gamers specifically because i mean all the games that we really love to play come from this place you know so i personally this really hits me at home i've also been there uh you know a couple times and you've been there also mike and you know i just wanted to take a you know a couple minutes out from the podcast just to let everyone know that if you can donate in any way through any you know means just do it, you know, just do it, because it really is a big deal, it's really important, I mean, if you feel like, ah, you know, like, you know, maybe, maybe my donation won't make that big of a difference, think about, like, what if Japan just stopped existing today, right, all the things we love, all the things we talk about on this podcast, you know, tech and tech 2, whatever, all that shit would just not happen, it would not exist, and, you know, Harada has already announced that uh, Tekken Tag 2 will be delayed because of the earthquake and because they have uh, rolling blackouts for a year uh, over there. So, I mean, how the fuck are they going to make a game without electricity, right? So, <laughs> yeah. you know, just just if you can, I know there's uh, donation drives everywhere. I know Broken Tear, uh, shout out to Broken Tear. I know they, they ran like a, a Japan Tiger scar t-shirt thing where all the proceeds go to japan i know in socal there's a a a tournament going on this sunday at uc irvine uh and potato head level up and those guys are doing it and then on the same day in norcal uh iplaywinner.com is doing a like kind of like a co-event to raise money for japan so just whatever you could do you know just do it because if if japan ceased to exist we would be stuck with mortal kombat for our fighting oh. games, and come on, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Nobody wants that. Uh, so you know, I'm not saying Mortal Kombat sucks yet, but let you know, it's I don't want to be stuck with only Mortal Kombat. You know, we want variety. So yep. donate if you can. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, which is kind of, uh, there were some r- interesting happenings that <laughs> that happened yesterday. I don't know if you uh, you kind of heard about this, Mike, but uh, for those people who don't know. Um, the break 
which is an arcade. I believe it's in uh, Jersey. Am I right about that, Mike? Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah. Uh, it's an arcade in Jersey. 8WayRun.com, which is primarily a Soul Calibur forum, runs weekly tournaments for Marvel, uh, and I think other games too, at this arcade. And they stream them. And yesterday, uh, there was a fight that happened between, uh, Noel Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Between Noel Brown and Smooth Viper. And, you know, I kind of got a little backstory about it. Uh, Apparently, Smooth Viper was talking a lot of shit about how, you know, this region can never beat this region. And he was just like, you know, barking. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, talking shit. And then Noel Brown got heated after a loss. And, yeah, everyone's making, like, bionic arm gifts and shit because he just (laughs) fucking, like, jumped across the room. And, like, you know, it it was funny. I mean, the thing is that people... There's there's a good and a bad to this story. Um, obviously, the bad is that you know the more violence is associated with fighting games, the less people will want to deal with fighting games. Venues, arcades, sponsors, you know that's just not a good label to have uh, with fighting games. Uh, but then the, on the on the other end, you know you get all these funny gifs out and all these funny videos and comments and you know I'm a big fan of good good jokes so you know it's kind of funny but what this got me to thinking about is how marvel really pisses people off and it's 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 nothing new you know everyone's known it since day one of marvel back in the day with like guns and knives yeah yeah, but the thing is that since marvel versus capcom 3 came out since day one people have just you know like haunts is always posting up fucking like uh, hypersodium force, and just, like, everyone's been getting pissed, you know, like, from day one, and it kind of got me thinking, um, just about the way comebacks in general have changed in the last few games, major fighting games that have come out, and I hate to say it, but correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, did, wasn't Tekken 6's rage system the first major comeback mechanic that there's been? The... Uh, I guess Tekken 6 came out before Street Fighter 4, so yeah, I guess yeah. so. I mean, the only other one I can think of is in CVS2 and K-Groove, there was that, you know, anger thing where you could, like, uh, you know, if you take, you know... Yeah, but then that's, like, a specific groove, and, you know, you only get it in that groove, so... But, yeah. like, in Tekken and, like, all these other fighting games, you get it for everybody. Yeah, exactly. And Tekken 6 came out with the rage system, and people were, like... People were, I remember when it first happened in Tekken 6.0, people were just so blown bad away. in that game. <laughs> they couldn't believe it. Like the the damage and the the comebacks was it was just preposterous. And yeah. then Street Fighter 4 comes out and they have the ultra mechanic where, you know, taking damage gives you meter and ultras do a hell of damage and all that shit. And it's it seems like this is going to be a trend. You know, like fighting games just seem like they're going to have these comeback mechanics to make them more fun to watch. Now, and then they've, they've also announced uh, Tekken Tag Tournament 2 is going to have at least one form of uh, rage. Uh, mm. I mean, might have might, two. Yeah, it might have two. From the looks of the videos, it With could Natsu have... two and uh, the rage from T6. So. Exactly. So it could have the Tekken Tag version of rage, which wasn't as big of a deal as these new comeback me- mechanics. And it could also have the Tekken 6 version of rage. So, mm. you know, the, what this kind of gets me to thinking is, are these games that are being developed now with these comeback mechanics, are they, like, unintentionally producing an angrier fighting game player? 
And, you know, yesterday's happenings at the arcade kind of really got me thinking about this, because back, you know, before this era of fighting games, a comeback was a very, like, meaningful and earned thing. And back in the day, you know, the, the word he choked... You know, like he choked on the big screen and that, that, that kind of description, it kind of meant something. But these days, you don't even have to fucking choke to lose. I mean, it's not even a choke. You just make one mistake and it's over. And yeah. I kind of, I, I feel like they've, these new games, they've taken away from the comeback, the meaningfulness of a comeback. I mean, it just seems like it happens at the drop of a hat and, you know, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, what are your thoughts? Do you prefer to have someone earn a comeback by being, you know, like that Justin Wong Cyclops shit back at Evil? You know, that's like an earned comeback, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like that's better? Or do you feel like the excitingness of X-Factor and Ultras and Rage, do you prefer that in fighting games? Well, that's kind of an interesting way you phrased it because you said it's exciting, right? But to me... Winning with a comeback in X-Factor uh, is not that exciting. It's kind of like, oh, whatever, we've seen this shit before. But what's exciting to me would be like MVC2, Justin making a comeback with Cyclops with one character against three, you know, because that's way more exciting. He's like, oh, shit, he just took out the first character, and then he took out the second. He's like, oh, my God, and I was just down to one-to-one. And, you know, that kind of stuff is exciting. But You know, I, I agree with you. And you know what might be the explanation as to why they've uh, put these mechanics in the game is... It's just to draw in the, um, you know, newer crowd, you know, the newer generation to let them feel like they have a chance. And it looks flashy. All these comeback mechanics are super flashy. I mean, Rage Mode's like, oh, shit, my life bar is fucking glowing. My character has, like, red streaks around them. <laughs> well, and, like, Ultras, they this, freeze right? the screen and shit. So. Think, think about this, though. Just now you said that, oh, it's so exciting when... Justin comes back with Cyclops, right? Well, imagine the developer of a game, right? And they realize this is really exciting when someone does this. How can we artificially manufacture this type of comeback so that it happens more often? You you really can't. You can't really manufacture it because, I mean, Ultras, they're cool. Like, first time or second time or first ten times you see it. But after that, they just get dull. There's like, what the fuck? Why why do we have to wait through like a ten-second long animation? (laughs) And it just becomes really boring. It's like watching a movie for the hundredth time. It gets boring after a while, you know? But it's, watching a raw comeback happen is a lot more exciting, you know? It's like watching it's like watching a scripted fight in a movie like a hundred times compared to like a real fight in real life. It's just, you know, raw versus <laughs> scripted play shit, you know? A real fight at the break in real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? I feel like if I had to come up with an explanation as to why these mechanics are happening now... It is because uh, I feel like the people who create these games want the game to look more appealing to the viewer. And what they're thinking is the most exciting part about when I watch a fighting game is those crazy comebacks. How can we artificially manufacture these? Now, unfortunately, it almost feels like they're failing because if you look at X-Factor – like you said, there's nothing exciting about X Factor. It's like after after the couple couple times you see it, just like oh shit, there we go, here we go, here comes the comeback, la di da, right? So yeah, it's 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 almost unbelievable how boring X Factor is. It's mm-hmm. just like here it comes. And the other thing about X Factor is that not only is it boring, it changes the the just psychology of the game so much where a lead doesn't mean anything anymore. A lead, yeah. 
is like useless these days. Yeah, I've and, seen it so many times already. Just watching a couple of Marvel matches, I'm like, okay, he's down to one character. He has like less than fifty percent on one character. Oh, X Factor, yeah, he made a full three hundred percent comeback. Yeah, it, it's it's so weird to me because I mean, you know, being raised playing fighting games, the lead means everything. I mean, it's like how you know you're winning. But mm-hmm. now in in Marvel three, it's like you have no idea whether you're winning or not until it says <laughs> KO. I mean. Yeah. Once it says KO, then you can breathe a sigh of relief, thinking, "Okay, I'm I'm winning barely." Yeah, you can unclench your butt cheeks. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I, and I just—it's really hard for me to believe that this is the direction that fighting games are going in with this this just artificial comeback mechanic, just to please the viewer. But in the end, it doesn't really please the viewer because it's artificial. It's yeah. not really making, and all it's really doing is pissing people off. I yeah, mean. It- Dude, Noel Brown, I mean, you know, I've been in that situation, too, where, you know, some dude that I don't like is talking shit, and, you know, maybe I didn't throw a bionic arm, but sometimes, <laughs> you know, sometimes it gets close, sometimes you get pissed, and, you know, I, I almost, you know, as much as I don't condone violence, it's hard to blame the guy, knowing the situation he was in, and knowing, you know, this guy is hella heckling and big time. And, and the background you come from, from, like, other fighting games, and now you're thrown into this fighting game where exactly. it builds that. You know, that's the thing. It, it's I feel like Capcom has created a recipe for fucking disaster. Yeah. And what that is, is the Marvel 2 hype combined with the Marvel 3 X Factor is, this shit is, I feel like it's gonna happen again. I mean... You can't have the type of shit-talking that you had in Marvel 2 and combine that with Marvel 3's X-Factor. It's just dangerous. It's a fucking <laughs> volatile mix, and it's just dangerous. Yeah, you guys are just hasn't... playing with Russian roulette, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm surprised this hasn't happened more. And, you know, unless there is something that happens, some kind of... You know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to stop this, because obviously everyone says, you know... No, obviously, no fighting. I mean, duh. But what are you going to do if someone gets pissed off and they lose all their logic and reason and shit? Who knows what's going to happen, you know? So, I, I just, hopefully, Capcom is not breeding this new, Capcom and Namco and all fighting game companies are not breeding this new type of fighting game that almost promotes anger, you know? Yeah. I, I don't want that to happen. I don't want the future of fighting games to be closely associated with anger you know so it, this may be a unforeseen yeah it should be more about like you know this guy outplayed him he uses smarts you know i uh-huh. there's certain things about x factor that i do enjoy like let's say you caught an assist someone else's assist and a point character and then you use x factor to kill both of them off or something like those kind of things are kind of interesting but I think they need to tweak certain things like, okay, there's only one character left, level 3 X-Factor lasts for like a fucking minute, you know? It's like... Yeah, I I don't know, man. I mean, this is a... They're beginning to not only make fighting games anymore. They're they're breeding this new type of player that is just really... I don't know, man. It's just dangerous. The the formula is dangerous because fighting games have always been closely associated with shit-talking. I mean, it's always been there, and everyone's always gotten mad, but when you lose fair and square to someone that's better than you, there's almost nothing you can get mad about. I mean, it's like, I lost fair and square, I better go learn how to win, you know, so that I can win fair and square. But these days, you know, it's just so 
hard to control these variables in these fighting games that the best player is not always winning. In fact, the best player many times is not winning. And with that, you know, thrown into the mix, combined with shit-talking, it's just very dangerous. And, you know, I, I certainly hope that these fighting game companies realize that they have... This is a really volatile combination here, and they need to be careful how artificially exciting they want to make these fighting games, you know? So, I mean, that that this topic is what I wanted to kind of bring up, and I know everyone has a different opinion on X-Factor, Rage, and all that stuff, but if you could kind of combine them to, into one, I'm interested in what people have to say about this theory, how games are being bred just to piss people off. <laughs> um, so, if anyone has uh, you know comments on that, I'm curious as to what the consensus is on that. Maybe I'm flying solo here, but God knows I get pissed off when I lose to X Factor, and fucking everyone I've played in Marvel gets pissed off when they lose to X Factor. I mean, I went to Wednesday Night Fights and I, I beat these guys. I played Marvel like barely at all, and I played these guys who are doing the craziest combos, and all I did was fucking hit fucking one button with Sentinel, and I smashed their heads in. <laughs> and I was just like, I was appalled at, at how easily I was able to beat people that were way better than me, you know? So, you know, I, I'm just curious as to what people think about that. And, uh, again, I really want to emphasize, um, you know, Japan, we need that shit. Uh, so if you got a couple bucks to spare, just donate a couple extra bucks. If you got to not go to the arcade on Friday, you know, just stay at home, you know, watch uh, Sleepless in Seattle or some shit and... <laughs> Donate that five bucks to fucking. Yeah, I think the easiest way to do it is uh through text. I think you could text a number. I don't know exactly what the what number it is, but you just text Japan to a certain number, and then you automatically donate ten bucks from your phone. So yeah, it's it's very important, guys. I mean, I everyone knows that I'm a total asshole and I'm a selfish dick, but I wouldn't be doing it. I wouldn't be promoting it if it wasn't important. You know, I love fighting games. They were born in Japan, so. We really need to support the country that supports us as a fighting game community. So uh, I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, and unless uh, you have anything else to add, Mike, uh, we can move on to the Ling Massacre interview. No, I think that pretty much covers it for the Rage and uh, X-Factor shenanigans. That shit gets me mad just thinking about it. <laughs> just saying words, X-Factor. <laughs> Fuck <know>. this <laughs> Everyone was saying it was fucking Noel Brown. <laughs> X-Factor Noel Brown. That shit was so <laughs> funny, dude. X-Factor Noel Brown bionic arm. They broke the Samba down Mingo machine. Oh, shit. <laughs> that shit's hardcore, man. Yeah. I mean, jokes are all good, but no fighting, kids. Take it outside if you're going to fight. Fuck it. I mean, yeah. if you want to fight, just go outside and fight. You know, like men. So, anyway. Yeah. All right, guys. Here comes Ling Masker. We'll see you guys next time. There we go. Alright everybody, I'm very pleased to welcome on, straight from Jerusalem, Ling Massacre. What's up brother, how you doing? Howdy! <laughs> What's happening man? Um, 
Uh, first of all, I really want to thank you uh, for coming on the podcast. I've been wanting to have you on for a while now, and uh, I met you back, I think it was back in 2003, maybe 2004, at Cal Poly, when uh, you came down for EVO. This was a long time ago. Uh, you're like, you've been playing Tekken for a long time, and you've been uh, known to be like a, a specialist of Ling Xiaoyu. And uh, first of all, before we get into the technical stuff, I want to know how is the current state of affairs in up, upstate New York, where you're from? The current state of affairs, uh, things go well. We've got a, actually a very strong community considering the population density. Okay. Uh, we've got great players, uh, at least three or four players who can match me in terms of ability. All right, uh, right. And uh, we actually had... Uh, uh, I expect in the future we'll have more players, a few up-and-comers who are strong. Uh, we've got uh, Dirty Dave, Polish Mafia, uh, <laughs> OFDP. We've got uh, Zero the Shadow ZTS. Mm-hmm. Hi, Tony. Uh, and a number of just very funny kid, uh, very strong Marduk. Uh, so just a number of good players. We get together weekly, have a fun time. Not a whole lot of... of Tension. Nobody really hates each other, and That's I was a problem. <laughs> I was surprised to know that Upstate has been a fairly strong Tekken presence for a long time. Like uh, uh, YMR was Upstate for a long time. That's where he started out in Tekken. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Bad Mojo Gogo was also Upstate uh, for a long period of time. That's right. I remember him too. Do does that guy still play? Uh, he. If you ask him to, if you show up at his doorstep, and if he's not currently involved with some supermodel, yeah, he might get in a few games with you. Okay, so no. Oh, oh yeah, he's supermodel all the time, has suitcases packed full of cash, heading to Vegas. Ah, uh, he's one of those heterosexuals. Yeah, man, he'll oh, walk gosh. into a, a go-go bar, and he's walking home with at least three women. Okay, all right. So, um, do you guys have, uh, like, a tournament scene there? Do you guys throw a lot of tournaments out there? We throw a lot of tournaments. Uh, in the DR days, when we just got started up with with what we attempted to be majors, uh, Northeast Beef series ran ran for two years. Uh, we managed to get people from away as far away as Virginia to come up, New York City. We had an Upstate versus NYC match, which was fantastic, by the way. Upstate versus Maryland, Virginia or Maryland match, which was also fantastic, and. Uh, and those were those were hilarious, and those were DR. And then in six, we had Showdown at Sheridan, which was run by Polish Mafia. And Spooky came out. We had the whole setup, and uh, and Bronson came out to that. New York City came out to that, and uh, everything you could ever want in a major in Syracuse. Well, that's cool. Yeah, fun times. How about now? Um, so you're saying that uh, there's a big scene now, but do you feel like a lot of those players that you uh, were mentioning earlier have stopped playing, kind of like uh, Mojo? They haven't stopped playing. Uh, I still, uh, we get together quite frequently. Uh, Ben, uh, myself, Mark, uh, Ben is now in Cortland, OFDP is now in Buffalo, Uh, Kyle, ZZY, who's another fantastic player who can kick the crap out of me sometimes. Uh, he he has a girlfriend, a job, but we still managed to get together and go to tournaments. At final round, we came in like nine deep. Eight okay, deep. all right, definitely uh, more players than SoCal uh, threw in there. That's for sure. 
And and all strong players. Like I would pit any of I would pit our best five against your best five and expect reasonable results. I, I beg to differ, sir. But uh, that's only because I'm obligated to beg to differ. Oh, but, you, uh, are, you are permitted. <laughs> thank you. Um, but another thing, I was speaking of uh, East Coast West Coast. You know, it's, uh, everyone knows about like the the SoCal NorCal long running rivalry. And you mentioned uh, Upstate New York versus New York City. Uh, is that like a East Coast like well known rivalry, or how does that work out? It it is actually about the closest equivalent to a NorCal SoCal like same state sort of rivalry. I guess maybe Nova and Sova, but it's a little bit bigger than that. Uh, in when they came out for Northeast Beef One, we actually ran through a bit of their ranks and then got stuck on Spiro, okay. and just could not get past Spiro. And uh, like we we went through uh, Brian H, we went through Realist, we went through a uh, deep into their lines, and then they, their anchor Spiro, who was really a fantastic player. Yeah, well, uh, we just could not get beyond him. Uh, we've, I would say, we are on, we are on par with NYC, maybe with the exception of Fab slightly, um, but I would, I would pit our strongest against against NYC, and actually I would expect four times out of ten to win. Really? Okay, okay, not bad. Uh, that's that's another in- interesting topic, because as I'm sure you know, uh, back probably around when you were in uh, in Nevada, and you know, towards the beginning of your teching career in upstate, uh, the East Coast wasn't as strong as they are now, and these days, I mean... Just uh, specifically this year, I mean, GM has won every major as far as I know. And, you know, Fab is, uh, last year, Fab was just like one of the best, if not the best player in the whole country. And grats to them. They yeah, deserve it. And, and, you know, both of them being from the East Coast. And then also before that, you know, Spiro Jin, I mean, that guy was doing very well as well. So what do you think's been happening uh on the East Coast, do you feel like it's the uh, the change in the mechanic of the game, or do you feel like people are just really dedicated out there? What has changed to it's make the interesting, East Coast as strong as they are? It's interesting that you mention mechanics of the game, because the, the arcade culture has always been here. Uh, Chinatown Fair has, has held it down for lo- far longer than, than I've been on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned the mechanics because when I came out here to Upstate, uh, I was familiar with Nevada. I was familiar with with uh, with parts of Northern California, maybe not South Bay where it's a little different. Uh, California didn't stress so much of uh, defensive, sit back, block, break throws, and then when it's your turn, attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and East Coast favors that a lot. They will drill into you, throw breaking. Like yeah. basics, 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 uh, and it, it it's it's funny because I never followed that until very recently, but I was amazed at how many people could break throws when I came over here. Like even even people who aren't good can break throws. Throws are useless out here. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. So I think I think with uh, with four throws weren't. Uh, the primary, uh, the primary tool, jabs were, mm-hmm. um, and in DR, it it maybe was throws. It was getting up there. Certainly with Lang, she was a throw-based character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think with 
with Tekken 6, the risk-reward for things like Hopkick, uh, kind of, it's a Hopkick-based game. I agree. And your ability to punish Hopkick by sitting there and blocking and punishing Hopkick when they do decide they want to throw that out there is is so unbelievably important to this game. Sidestep is so unbelievably important to this game. Jab is not important to this game. <laughs> I do agree. Generally speaking, that is definitely true. So I think that did give give an advantage to East Coast. Uh, but maybe, maybe players come and go, regions... Uh, shift in terms of abilities, and it's just the the way of the world. Yeah, I, I guess that's probably the best explanation for it, right? I mean, you know, people just get better over time, and then some good players don't play anymore, and it's just the uh, circle of Tekken, you know, com- competition, I guess. But yeah, there was. It's interesting that 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 you talk about this. There was. This brings to mind. Uh, Way back in the Tekken 4 days, Colorado was a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> I do remember those days. It was like WG Tribal, Big D, Isaac, and they, they Sang. Oh my God, Sang! Yeah. And and these were these were great players. I had them over to my house. We had the top placers, top placers, and now yeah. nobody knows Colorado. Yeah, that's a that's just another testament to that. I mean, it's just it's weird. It makes me wonder what's going to happen. You know, six years from now. Are we going to have, like, some fucking Kentucky shit going on? Or some, like, great players are going to come out of... Well, I hear I hear these strange things, like, uh, I know there are fantastic players in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And nobody knows who, they, knows who they are, but they're there. And I know they're there, because I've heard stories from... I'm just... I'm, I'm waiting for them to start traveling, um, just to be scared out of my mind. St. Louis? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of them. I, I, God, I never see those guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, but uh, speaking of uh, the changes in the mechanics, uh, one thing that I really wanted to talk to you about is uh, just specifically the character Ling. Um, what, an interesting thing, uh, as far as I'm concerned about that character, is uh, since I began playing Tekken, I've been playing heavily with Shano. So I've... I mean, he was, like, one of my mentors, and he... I've just been eating Ling's just fucking shit for the last, like, ten years, you know? And I've uh, I've been on the receiving end of the development of this character. And before we get into Tekken 6 Ling Xiaoyu, I want to ask you how you feel like this character has developed over the years, and uh, maybe some insight on what, what you prefer, which Ling Xiaoyu you prefer. Uh, sure thing. Love to t- touch on that. So, uh, let, let's go back, let's go way back to three, okay. uh, when I first started playing Ling. She was unbelievably good. She was top two in the game, while standing two was a launcher, not on counter hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, she could dance in your face, there was nothing you, you could do about it, and just throw out while standing two, it was a safe launcher. Yeah. So, really mean in, in three, but I was a scrub at the time, uh, <laughs> so it's not like I could, could whore that out. Uh, effectively, tag. In tag, it really was a poking, uh, a poking game. This is where Shano shined, yeah. and Shano shined for a few other reasons. But uh, things like uh, counter hit one down two guaranteed another one down two counter hit down forward one guaranteed an RD back three. So these were like uh, like a high cr- no crushing, but base it sort of had a crush effect. Yeah, they back then they used to call it tech crouch. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> And it, this thing could kill jabs. 
And not only that, Ling was fast. And yeah. she could backdash with the best of them, and she could be annoying as hell. Uh, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't ogre or anything, but she wasn't bad. You would see her win, ter- Shano won tournaments with her. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the formless one, the, the no style Xiaoyu. And the, we say no style because he didn't have a form. You couldn't predict him, and he was psychic. He was unbelievably good all the way to, he was the last Ling to win to win a major, and that was in 2006. That was really? NorCal Regionals for DR, yeah. So he he's maintained his ability for years, and uh, it, it fit him. And I look at him now, and he's he plays in a Tekken and Tag style. It's just smart poking, and he knows what you're thinking. <laughs> and, uh, and then after Tag, uh, when I first started to get good, this was when I first had a name for myself, uh, was in Tekken 4. Uh, I wrote the book on Tekken 4 Ling. Okay. Uh, if you go to the, the Zaibatsu FAQ uh, place, which is now as stone dead as a graveyard because everything's now on YouTube, uh, I'm probably the only person uh, on there that still plays. Maybe Tekken one or four? two others. Still plays Tekken, period. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. And uh, and I wrote, I wrote God, 80-page, 100-page FAQ. On, on Tekken 4 show, and it it was there was a good amount of variability you could have uh, with with that character in that game. That was uh, at that time uh, the two distinct styles really separated from each other: the flash and anti-flash styles. Yeah. Um, Doctor Dog was the pioneer of the anti-flash style, and really flash style, I would say, belongs to maybe Ollie Vegas in in the East or Dom. Or um, there were a few players, Nal Oki, uh, and myself. Uh, so the the idea behind Flash was a down forward one base game. Geo is an anti Flash player, um, and a just solid strong play, a lot like Tag, like what she was meant to be in Tag. Okay. And the Flash style was more of a, a mental game, get in your opponent's head and uh, move and utilize the tools that Ling has that no one else does, and just come at people from weird angles. And in 4, she could do that because there was no backdash in that game. Right. Yeah. And Ling had the spin away. So she could uh, effectively move backward better than any other character. And you could utilize this to, to bait out things, bait out jabs. A person would whiff, boom, mistrust. Uh, Rain Dance 4, back turn 4. Yeah. And uh, that, that's really what I utilized. And around that time, I, uh, I got to be known for using Hop and Throw. And, <laughs> okay. And utilize that tool to to great effect, and have been able to use it for years and years and years. Now l- let me let me stop you right there, just to say that personally, I feel like the Tekken Four incarnation of Ling is the best incarnation of Ling. Not only because of while standing four being the gayest thing I've ever experienced in my life, I used to hate that shit so much. The yeah, that was Tekken, good. That was good. That is retarded. But secondarily. This character works so well at avoiding shit, when, and you can't backdash, so the system of Tekken 4 just seemed to be catered to this character. I mean, uh, it forced you to fall into Art of Phoenix, uh, you know, bullshit. So, uh, do you agree or disagree about um, Ling being, that being Ling's best incarnation? That, um, no, definitely Tekken 3 was the best incarnation, followed by Tag. Okay. Uh, four, four shined... Uh, 
um, because of wall standing four. But when you look at the tools, like if you talk about evasion, nothing beats Hayashida's step. Nothing. Yeah. You can't touch it at all. You could find AOP. On a good day, you could look at the phone book and you could find her. <laughs> Okay. Uh, but you could knit. Nina was not listed. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> you can't find her. And uh, the the evasion properties of Ling, uh, maybe JT said it best, is that it, it it's been a double edged sword for for Ling players because they relied on AOP in order to avoid throws. Okay. Like I never learned how to break throws until a year ago. I see. Interesting. And and I'm a relatively top player, and and on the East Coast, it's absolutely unheard of that anyone would have that sort of status and not be able to break throws. Interesting. So, and that was because of AOP. You could run at me, you could get in throw range, and if I sidestep AOP all the way through DR, uh, you would have some trouble finding me, and I could mitigate a bit of the damage even if you could find me by either jumping into the air or rolling. Right. So. You relied on AOP, and it was a great tool, but if you come across an opponent who knew how to find her, uh, you were in trouble or have to rely on, on something else, like a poking game. Okay. And uh, after Tekken 4, there were some major changes to the system uh, as far as movement goes, the way walls work, the way throws work, throw damage was really high. Uh, how do you feel like these changes... Um, have affected her. And then moving on to, into T6, uh, things like the bounce system, I feel like benefits Xiaoyu more than some of the other characters in the game. And what do you think about that? So uh, DR, DR, I would say her evasion was at her maximum. Uh, and the, the throw aspects were, were great. Her throw Oki has always been good. Uh, and not only that, she's got back turned. And this was before Raven could easily enter back turn, before Lei could move forward and back turn. Right. She was, like, the the only character who could really utilize back turn throws. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't care how good you are, you're going to have trouble breaking back turn throws because Absolutely. the animation is the same. And then with the added Oki, the added damage, uh, I felt that she was a, a throw-based character in DR and an evasion-based character. Like, piss them off with setups and then come in with back turn throws and pokes. And that was that was the game. Uh in six in six they changed they changed her a lot. They they um equalized a lot of the cla uh the characters, giving everyone uh essentially a hop kick, almost everyone essentially a hop kick. Gave Ling a twelve frame punisher, fourteen frame punisher, everything became standardized. You see a lot of characters with twelves, fourteens, hop kicks. Yeah. Uh so I think that even things out, even the playing field out a lot, uh, I thought it took away from uh, some of the diversity. And the other thing that they did was they changed the properties of back turn. So you're essentially facing forward almost all of the time. For any yeah. angle, you're facing forward. Yeah, that is <laughs> and, a big difference. And you hold back, you get hit in the back, and as long as you have four frames, you can block. Yep. So... It, it gets to be a little difficult to to take advantage of of a back turn game. Throws didn't uh, scale up, so Ling's throw game and other characters got got back turn throws and a back turn game added to them. So really, she had to to move to a different style, mm-hmm. and this was right around the time of of NEC 10 uh, that I really discovered that I I went I went one and two that day. It was one of the worst Tekken days I've ever had. <laughs> I shining wizarded one of my own teammates that day, and it was just it was just one of those moments where 
you got taken, I got taken apart by throws essentially because AOP became harder to, fa- to easier to find. So I couldn't use AOP to evade throws, and then all of a sudden, wait, Justin, now you're now you're forced into playing a Tekken game that everybody is comfortable with, and I just uh, it was the incognito match, and uh, and I I lost, and I knew that I had lost on a fundamental level, um, and I was, I'm sitting there, and I'm I'm brewing, I'm brewing, the, the <laughs> anger is brewing, the rage is brewing, and I remember thinking. Justin, you're 26. You don't have a real job. You're playing <laughs> games and you're bad at them. And you've been <laughs> bad for years. You have relied on gimmicks all of this time. And right around this 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 moment, Tony, Zero the Shadow, uh-huh. who is a nice guy but occasionally can be annoying as hell. Okay. Comes walking around the corner, big dopey smile on his face, and for an instant, for an instant, it just caught me in a moment of weakness, and my brain said, doo, 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 kill, and went boom, running at him, shining wizard. And I, I don't remember much. I you don't remember much? Jesus. No, I don't remember much. I remember seeing Tony's face, and that's all. And, uh, and then afterwards, uh, when I came to, um, I had, Tony blocked the shining wizard with his stick, and I broke his stick. No way! You really did this shit to someone? I thought you were yeah, I, around. No, no, I, I've I've done a lot of bad things. I muscle busted Bloodhawk. I giant swung another member of Upstate. What Jew. is it with you and King moves? You should play King. I, you know, well, ZZY covers King, and he's he's a better King than I ever could be. Okay. Uh, so, I I felt like a total dick. I mean, what can you do? You you pay for this the stick. You have to. Uh, and I did, and was happy to do it. Uh, I felt like a total asshole, and then lost my next match, and then, God, I was like, why? Why am I so bad at this game? Bronson was right all of these years. I'm bad. <laughs> Don't ever say that again. <laughs> so, uh, I went back to the lab, and, and six, six absolutely requires this of any Ling player, I think, even flashy ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back, and I'm like, okay, Justin, time to learn throws. And I, I stood there, tried to break him, and then my mind just kept saying, go into AOP. And I couldn't snap out of it. It's a lot of habit, you know, ten years. Yeah, of course. And um, so I picked Wang. And it was the only, the only character I've ever picked in 12, 13 years of playing in tournament, except for one instance with Arario. I have to say that. That uh that I picked a character other than Lang, wow. and um, it it was different. But with Wang, I can't. I have to break throws, and yeah. that's how I learned how to do it. And to uh, I could already space and poke pretty well, but just break throws, block punish. I can't do these things even today. I have difficulty with these things. Hmm. Uh, but I had to pick another character to do it, and in six. Uh, she is a block punish character, uh, a lot like Fang. She's not a whiff punish character, uh, unless you're talking about sidestep AOP. Okay. Uh, and then Flash is always wonderful, but I I use her now as a, a running away poking character. Did I hear you say that she's a block punish character, much like Fang? Uh, she, more so now, but I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, actually, a little bit. Like well, she can punish hop kick. What about Fang makes you feel like he's a block punish character? 
this is this is me talking from from dr he's more of a whiff punish character with shoulder uh, let's see a good block punish character would be someone like Steve okay um, but yeah she she turned into that a little bit and if you watch someone like JT play that's that's his bread and butter not me I'm I'm very bad at that but if you watch him play he'll He'll sit there and, and block in range one, block a hop kick and shoulder every time. He'll go for the right punish, and I sit there looking like, God, why didn't you play some other character, Y Ling? <laughs> like, she's got so many other tools. Um, but the ability to run away, the down forward one's ability to go under jabs, uh, can actually mitigate... Uh, a lot of the damage other people get through their counter hit game, which is why Ling is essentially a bad matchup for Lee. Uh, is that okay. Lee relies a bit on his counter hit game, and then to make matters worse, uh, he has trouble closing the gap. So if Ling runs away and then doesn't leave herself open to counter hits, uh, Lee has to do all of his damage through getting in and low poking, which Ling can actually do a little bit better than Lee. So, which is why it's a bad matchup for Lee. Yeah, I've heard that several times. I mean, I don't play play either character personally, but several people have told me that they feel like that, uh, you know, Ling really has that matchup in the bag. Um, and that kind of reminds me, recently I've been talking about this with a lot of people. Do you, how do you feel about matchups in general in Tekken 6? Uh, do you feel like it's a major issue, or do you feel like it's balanced enough so it's not a major issue? It's balanced enough... So that tier lists mean shit. Okay. And I say that with the most amount of fervor I can inject to it. Tier lists mean nothing. Okay. I, I wipe my butt with it. Wow. Okay. So coming from four, coming from from DR, there were some terrible matchups in DR. Yeah. Like, we'll die. Uh, and there's no getting around it. There's no playing to, to optimal ability and then eking out a win. No, you are going to die. Uh, and with this game, even with DR, I thought it was friendly. And with this game, it's freaking Disneyland. I, I can beat anyone. Okay. Uh, with Ling, uh, like maybe, maybe Anakin, I would have some difficulty. <laughs> Is that only because of the player or Jack? No, that's because of the player. Okay. Uh, and the way that I operate in, in order to beat people does not work on Anakin. Really? Uh, the, the way that I beat a person is by getting in their head, essentially. Okay. Um, I can watch somebody's play, I can analyze it, and then, more than that, I can know what you're feeling. Uh, it, it requires a little bit of empathy in between rounds. You take a small look over, are they tensive, are they passive? Mm -hmm. And Anakin, if you notice him, it's a little bit like playing a shark. <laughs> a, a Vietnamese it, shark is that his eyes betray no emotion. And he lost the GM match and and, and at final round. And what happened when, when uh, other players, most other players, if they thought that down back one would have crushed that last tie, they would, no, no, Marn would have walked off the stage and thrown his stick. <laughs> and Anakin, if you watch him in the video, he does nothing. And, and when you play him, he does nothing. Well, he... It's like he betrays no emotion. I know that there's something in there. Just, he's human. Yeah, he's hiding but it well. I can't find it. And I've never been able to, to get any sort of read from him. GM, I can, I can f feel him. I know what he's thinking. That's, that's not, not 
terribly hard. Okay. Exalted's the same way, uh, but just some characters, I, or some some people, I just have a difficult time getting any sort of vibe from, and Anakin's one of them. And uh, his style of play is, is optimal play, uh, emphasizing um, launchers at times. And yeah. It's like, the risk-reward is too good not to occasionally throw out a launcher. And that's terrible for me, because I'm almost never blocking. <laughs> if you look at me dancing around the screen, I just don't block. And and Bronson's the same way too, although his is more sidestep, which also gets me into trouble. Um, so I think in this game, it's not the matchup; it's the person. Totally, completely, fantastically so. In in Dr. Ling versus Steve, it, nightmare matchup, but still, that was about it, really. Um, and in this game, nah, tears mean nothing. You know, um. I, the thing is, this is kind of interesting, and this is the last thing that I've recently learned. This is like my latest discovery in Tekken 6. And that is that it can be easy, at least for me, to generalize a game like this uh, based on my own personal experiences. Uh, and what I mean is, I've been playing you know, several characters, but tournament-wise, I've been playing Dragonoff this whole time. And up until recently, I felt like um, just Dragonoff ha- can play against any character relatively well, and this is not a matchup-based game. But recently, I started picking uh, Fang, like, very seriously, and ent- entering in tournaments with Fang. And with that character, I felt that there are some glaring matchup issues. And what that made me kind of realize is that maybe I was just overgeneralizing the game and thinking that just because I have no bad matchups with uh, Dragonoff and I haven't heard anyone complain too much about bad matchups uh, to a you know an extent where it's a major deal, maybe this game doesn't have bad matchups. But I, in just just lately, I really specifically like Ling Xiaoyu. I feel like that's a terrible matchup for Feng. Um, what are your she can thoughts? make it seem like she can make certain matchups seem bad. Uh, she can. Like I know I went on saying that that Ling is a bad matchup for Lee, and there are some bad matchups. I'm not going to say this game isn't completely without it, but still they're overcomable. It's not like I've destroyed GM or anything. And with Fang, when when I play Fang, I can I can definitely hand it to Upstate. Uh, no, give me some have, tips, dude. Give me some tips with Fang, because I feel like that's a horseshit matchup in my eyes. Uh, so, uh, Fang versus Ling? Sure. Uh, not a matchup I'm particularly familiar with, with from the other side. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you wanted somebody to talk to uh, Fang versus Ling, Locke actually wouldn't be a terrible choice. Yeah, well, let me bring up some uh, problems that I've encountered. I feel like um, Art of Phoenix, just its existence, takes away... Down forward three. His most important tools, not just down forward three. I mean, uh, you know, down back three doesn't work effectively. Down four doesn't work effectively. His homing move, down forward three plus four, doesn't work effectively. Down back two. Dude, come on. Crazy arm. You're, you're killing me, brother. I mean, I gotta Crazy resort arm. to these horseshit moves to deal yes! with things. There are no horseshit moves. They're all good. No, I agree They're with you. Perfect. It's I like a... the blossom leaves. They're all perfect. <laughs> I I'm a believer of using and utilizing all tools, but when a character 
takes away another character's major tools, and you're resorting to these, like, bench warmer moves that you only yes. use, you know, once in a while, these junior varsity fucking lows, you know, it's going to be uh, pretty tough dealing with these characters. You're calling down back to a junior varsity low? Down yeah. back is it's fantastic. A, it's good. It's good. I mean, you know, maybe Disney will make a movie about how, you know, they won the championship game with the down back two, but it, no, this, it's, not, it's only a movie, brother. It doesn't the, happen the in real life. The part about down back two is that against a character with a reversal, you mash, you mash chicken on that third hit. Okay. How does and that win you a tournament? All you need to win a tournament is one hit you know will work. That's it. Everything else you can get on internal skill. But in order to win a tournament, maybe one or two things you know will work, and you can win a tournament. Downback 2 does like eight points damage, dude. That, that's enough. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, well, the way that I play Ling is I almost never launch anyone, ever. And I'm used to just taking ten points here, ten points there. I made a freaking career out of Hop and Grow. And it's a billion-frame move that's high, that's sidesteppable, breakable, duckable, punishable. And it's hop-and-throw. So every any move, I don't care. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah, okay. okay. Bad, but I agree. 4 I... one with Fang is good. Down-back-2 is good. 4-2-1 doesn't work against Ling. She goes under it. Okay. I'm not always going to be an AOP, but yeah, you got to punish AOP. Forward, forward, four, down forward, three. Tell me how to oh. punish AOP. <laughs> Tell me how to make you stop doing AOP. Forward, three, four. Randomly do it. Forward, three, four? Yeah, just That's throw launch out. punishable, dude. Randomly do I'm it. I don't launch punish it. Okay, maybe I would, but... So... <laughs> dude, so a what about me... I, okay, sidestep left. If you really want to beat Ling... Uh, I'm, I'm t- telling you truthfully now. You need to sidestep left, block, and then throw out a hop kick every now and again. And then that's it. Literally, that is it. That is how you beat Lane. You're breaking my balls here, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm giving you the recipe. That's the like, recipe. I've gone into the kitchen. I've analyzed my every weakness. I've analyzed the weakness of Ling and inwards and outwards. And those three things, that will kill her. That's enough. Okay. Fair enough. I, I was interested in the character's weaknesses, but if I'm going to do that, what? that doesn't explain how Feng is going to beat the character. That's just a general, you know, rule of thumb, I, I suppose. Those but I mean, you could say it. that about any character, really. Yeah, totally true. Okay. That's why I don't think tears mean anything. Okay, alright, fair enough. Um, I don't know, I just personally think that that matchup is really really bad for Fang. Um, and, you know, that's one of those matchups, like, I was really dedicated to that character, and as soon as I played, uh, you know, a good Ling player, and then also Eddie, those two matchups, I was like, dude, I'm just gonna go back to dragging off and fucking... With Ling, with Ling Eddie, Lei, and a few other characters, you have to play them in a certain way that's different than playing any other character. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. And this is absolutely true. And Lei, for example, is very easy, I feel like, for uh, Feng to deal with. But specifically, Ling and Eddie just are very... Um, I have never had a problem with these characters. Actually, do you want to know who'd know? Ricky. Go out to Lancaster and talk to Ricky. Ricky is, like, dead. Ricky is not dead. He's alive. I know it. He's, In Shangri-La. He, he's dead. He's, he's uh... Not- I, I think he moved, honestly, I think he moved somewhere, like, crazy far. 
No, Ricky? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Uh, for those of you listening who don't know, Ricky is kind of this low-profile SoCal player who was, like, really, really good with Fang back in DR. Uh, and he was just a, one of those weird cats that just was a weird guy but really good. And as far as I know, he, like, moved somewhere like the Philippines or somewhere wacky like what? that. Ricky, yeah. Well, YMR is a fry cook in China, so... Yeah, it's something yeah. like that. So, anyway... Um, I just, uh, before we move on, uh, one thing I wanted to, you talked a little bit about your philosophies on how you win and, uh, things of that nature, and, uh, we've talked about you on the podcast several times, but we have not used your name to protect your identity, (laughs) to protect your identity, you were known as Nameless. (laughs) But uh, now that you're on the podcast, I want to bring up a couple of, in my opinion, mistakes you've made. uh, Oh, 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 I'm calling you out, brother. Uh, And the one in specific, in in particular, that I want to bring up is the incident at MLG where your opponent was late for the match and you decided that you would play them like a man. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you continue the story and explain to me how you feel about that. All right. So, this opponent, Kor, who shall be nameless, okay. oh, who shall be named, okay. uh, he was running late for a match, uh, eh, which is not surprising. I mean, there have been other incidences where, where people have given Kor the right of way. Uh, and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, he's freezing me out. You know, he's, no, he's actually late. Okay. Uh, and, and Mark Kiley, funny kid's sitting behind me, and it's like, oh, it's he's five minutes late. Boom! First match lost. Or, like, one minute. Just something unbelievably small. And, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, one match. God, you know, one match. Well, I can kind of see it. They're trying to get... And it's ten minutes late. Two matches! Two matches? You're telling me all I have to do is to win once, and and, and I beat Core. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I'm thinking of it, and Mark Kiley's just like licking his lips delectably yes yes excellent and and i'm thinking to myself what a shit terrible thing to go to a tournament for and i came here to play tekken i came here to ply my art to ply my trade to be entertaining to have fun and one match you've got to be shitting me i paid more like when i go to a tournament i put down money to play because I want to have fun. That is that is what I am exchanging my money for. It's I'm not exchanging my money for a chance to to win. That would be a stupid investment. Be, just from a fiscal standpoint, I am playing money to a person so that I can have fun. And that is what I wanted. I wanted to have a fun match with Core. I knew it, I could make it entertaining. Uh Core has had difficulties with me in the past. And and I wanted to see what his answer would be. And one match, you can't fucking tell me one match. You'll get an, an idea of what's going to happen. And he comes in, it's two matches, and I I I say to the crowd, I announce it. So the, I'm really announcing it to the room. Uh, and I say, I forgive the matches. And Mark Kiley burns a hole through the back of my head with his eyeballs. And it's like, what are you doing? I don't understand. Fab is is you know is in shock. Bronson is in shock, and and these people who uh who certainly have a different philosophy about the game than I do, 
uh, are just uh, they can't they can't wrap their brains around it. And uh, I know people have said uh, in the past, oh, it was the manly decision, and upstate men are known for their manliness. Our our head masculine uh, mascot uh, is a construction worker who plays Roger. Okay. And uh, and I I played him. Uh, it was a, a good match. I I actually. Uh, I lost the first match, and I remember I was close to losing the second match. And I was thinking to myself at the time, God, if I lose three in a row, people are going to look at me. This dickhead wouldn't even have won even if he had the match. (laughs) (laughs) And and then I just, at that point, something clicked. I raped his bob. Like, really, I treated, treated his bob badly. And he could not find Ling with the phone book, with GPS. No. With okay. magnifying glass, where is she? She couldn't find her. And uh, then picked Lars. And Lars does not have a terrible time finding Ling. And I don't exactly have a lot of Lars experience. Not that I'm pinning it on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, I remember it was it was either 3-2 or 3-1. Okay game. I got in a ton of hop and throws. I had a lot of fun. Applied my art. And lost. Now, let me stop you right there. Are you telling me... That you honestly, genuinely feel like you made the right decision there? Yeah. You... Okay. Okay, let, let, me, uh, let me regain my composure here. So, in your opinion, playing Tekken is more fun than winning in Tekken. Yes. Huh. Okay. Absolutely. Well, Fantastically so. Overwhelmingly so. Because, and I can prove it to you in only a few lines. Please do. Are you going to recite poetry or something? Ah, let's see if I could make this into poetry. Oh, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> only some can win. Most will lose. Yet people play. Let's see. Is that a haiku? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, People have been playing this game for a great number of years, and there have been tons and tons of players who were not champions. They didn't, they never made first. They were never Arario or Anakin or people who got out there and won tournaments. No, these were guys like me who suck and who don't have any talent at this game whatsoever and played it for the sheer fun of it. And when they went to tournaments, they went to tournaments because it was fun, not... Yeah, they wanted to win. Yeah, they even had a chance of winning. They had daydreams of winning. They had it in their hearts. Yes, I want to win, but I want to do it my way. And doing it your way is so fantastically more important than actually winning that it it pales in comparison. Well, I, I got to tell you, I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely an interesting perspective. It's totally not... Uh, how I think, um, and how, you know, I've been kind of taught to think. Yeah, it's, it's not the samurai's perspective. Definitely it's, is not. I don't think they write books about this shit. Uh. It's, so, the samurai's perspective, to fill you in on the listeners, is the idea of self-cultivation through perfection of play. Right. And you get better by training your mind to be impervious to doubt. Uh, to play optimally, to not be affected by tournament conditions, which are harsh. Don't let's not kid ourselves here. It is stressful to play in a tournament, and that is a talent. Uh, and you win 
by any means necessary, because that is part of perfection. And that idea of perfection is one way of going about it. It's a, a competitive sort of idea. It is the sport of Tekken. The art of Tekken is something else. The art of Tekken is self-cultivation through the application of one's art, uh, is to cultivate things, uh, abilities, talents, that it, it can either be for showmanship, like what a lot, a lot of artists do. It's a self-fulfillment thing, art for the sake of art, ars gratia artis. Um, uh, but it, it, in both cases, it is self-cultivation. One thing about fighting games will always have over things like MMORPGs is you level yourself. Uh, <laughs> you get better. It's not your character that gets better. That's true. And in, in both cases, I mean, both are, are applicable philosophies. I don't think one's more correct than the other. I think one would save, uh, perhaps perfection through art would save a lot of people heartache. The idea of, oh, I could have been a champion or, or having this, being unable to give yourself a sense of pride because you didn't win. Like, even champions have bad days, and when you go home, it's like, God, I suck at this game. Oh, I've been playing all of this time, and I'm just playing bad. And it, for someone like me, uh, I know it sounds like it's, it's a cop-out philosophy for somebody who couldn't hack it as a champion, but I truly believe it, and I think reasonably so, uh, just from a fiscal standpoint, just from the fact that only one person can win a tournament. Uh, just one. And... Uh, I think for a lot of people, they can walk away with a sense of pride knowing that they showed people something special with uh, abilities that they trained in themselves, like with Ling. No other Ling player on the planet Earth plays like me, period. And I know this, and it took me a lot of time in order to develop that. And when when I bring her out, it's something special. And I, I like that, and I can develop a sense of pride on that. And that's how I cultivate myself, is through my art. You know, um, this is really interesting, uh, because I feel like I started my fighting game career with your mentality, and, uh, back when I used to play Soul Calibur 2, I really was concerned with... Your Valdo was amazing. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> and I, honestly, I really, uh, at that time, I was very young, and I hadn't really researched into strategy that heavily, and... At that time, I sounded very much like you, and I, I, I had a similar philosophy. I was very concerned with the art of, uh, you know, just sculpting your character to be your own. And in the end, after that game just died, and, you know, the, the later games came out, and just that, that era ended, I feel like the more satisfying part of a fighting game is the satisfaction of beating someone, but not only beating someone, beating someone that's better than you. And that's kind of what drove me to uh, keep playing fighting games and uh, just change as a player. And maybe I'm flying solo on this one, but personally, there is nothing fun about Tekken. Tekken itself is not fun. No fighting games are fun. To me... Games, I mean, you know, single-player games are fun if you just want to have fun, you know, but fighting games, what the, the, the part of the puzzle that, ne that you need to complete it is the, the winning, like 
the, the competing with someone that wants to beat you and beating them. And this is just my personal philosophy on it. I, I just, I really personally cannot have fun unless there is someone there, preferably better than me, to beat. You know? So, I don't know. I mean, it's a very, very interesting view you have, and I, I definitely appreciate uh, you sharing it, because I'm totally into this kind of shit. Yeah, your your philosophy is actually a little bit different than perfection, because yeah. in the perfection philosophy, it doesn't matter if you're a gnat or another samurai, you will destroy it with maximum hatred. Right. Your philosophy is climbing Everest because it's there. I guess, yeah. I mean, um, I don't. I personally don't necessarily want to be the best player, but I do want to beat the best player. Hmm. And that's the, that's just how I've always thought. Like, you know, it doesn't really matter how good you are. It just matters how good the person you just beat is. And, and that's that's how I've always thought. So, I mean, you know, this is this is actually a really interesting topic. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, this is, it's already been you know an hour or so. So maybe I might have to have you on again in the near future so we can specifically. Uh, you know, shoot the shit about philosophies and stuff, but... Oh, I'd love to continue the chat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the near future, uh, we'll definitely... Maybe we'll have you on with someone uh, someone else. We can have, like, a three-way discussion about this kind of stuff, but... Let's see, who would be the absolute opposite of my philo- Bronson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Bronson is such a dick that he would never, like, level... You know, he would never just discuss it with you without being a dick. He, he would Fab always, would. I don't... Yeah, Fab might, Fab might. Uh, so I don't know. We'll we'll uh, we'll figure that out in the near future. But uh, before we go, I gotta do it. I mean, uh, it's that time. You gotta call someone a bitch, brother. Uh, I thought I I I've spent two days thinking about it, and I told myself at the beginning of this interview, "Don't worry, it'll come naturally. You'll be on the spot, and you'll you'll think of somebody." And uh, they were absolutely right. There are at least ten people I can think of calling them out for being bitches. Uh, a few people who have been on this podcast before, uh, even. Uh, okay. Tom's a bitch. Uh, okay. uh, people for Slips is a bitch. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the old head, especially Tom. God, I could call him out. I was so pissed when, when he came on and said... Oh, you know, I don't even practice anymore, but I can I can show up and still win tournaments. Fuck you, you don't have that right. You are a legend in your time. You deserve it. You deserve the praise. But uh, to say that you can just show up and win without putting in the hours, and yeah, you lost the ability to say that you put in the hours because you don't anymore. Uh, you're an old hat, and uh, the new school players put in their time, and they are talented, and you're old. Bye, Tom. <laughs> I, I I agree with you. Tom is a bitch. Uh, and STL players for this. Uh, STL players slips. Uh, I saw what went on in, in the STL thread, and their philosophy as far as raising up new players, I disagree with at a fundamental level. It's a harsh sort of environment in which they <laughs> raise up players, and there are a lot of people who think that that's the best way to raise a player is you make them mean, you piss in their face, and then they grow, you know, Ur. that's how you make a Marine. That's how, you how make I would raise my kids. <laughs> yeah. And it works a lot of cases. How how I plan on doing it is uh, a little bit different, and I think that their way is wrong, and I think they're bitches for it. 
I think they're using their status and years of experience in order to browbeat somebody who's trying to get into the game. Fair enough. These are all forgetting, all forgetting that they were they were once there too. <laughs> you know, this is interesting because this is a very thorough bitch calling. Most of the time, people don't have too much of an explanation, but I'm impressed with you, sir. Anyone else you would like to uh, call a bitch? GM's a bitch. Okay. He he hasn't beat me in a major. Oh. And I know that he he lies lies awake at night. God, how do I beat that man? <laughs> wakes up in a cold sweat. Ling massacre. <laughs> but uh, GM, for the love of God, you're a fantastic player. You've got. Great whiff punishing, you've got great poking ability, Acid Storm was a fucking stupid move, and you broke under pressure. And for, for just the love of God, learn how to hop kick from crouching. If you need to ask Tony how to do it, just, you know, ask. He'd be willing to tell you, I think. Uh, and it would add so much to your game. You could be such a better player if you could hop kick from crouching. Very interesting, okay. Instead of having to rely on that stupid wall standing two three, which you even missed the forward four three on times. Doesn't he? I mean, he he must know how to do it, right? I mean, it's pretty simple. Not not on a consistent basis. Okay, no, he just has some practice. That is the flip kick. It, well, you have to cancel up, crouching before you do it. Up up forward, right? Uh, the, the, in in my mind, that's how you do it. I don't know. I'm uh, Tony knows how to do it, and and Tony has used it to to great effect. Uh. Uh, let's see, who else can I immediately call out? Uh, Poke Chop is a bitch for avoiding a money match at final round. Oh, uh. my. The truth comes out, huh? No, Poke Chop's a great guy. I really should call him a bitch. I like him too much. <laughs> uh, let's see, anybody else that I really think... All right, you got one more, dude. I feel like you're uh, really... Oh, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it all, the, all day. Uh... Tekken players from Canada. Let's see. <laughs> uh, fuck it. Um, let, let's go with. Oh, Ryan Hart's a bitch. Uh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, I didn't expect uh, you to be such an asshole, dude. You uh, seem like such I, I a am, jolly guy. I'm. I am very jolly, but no. When there's there's Justin, and then there's Ling Massacre. Ling Massacre will will talk shit to Clint. Uh, in front of his face, he doesn't care. Justin, yeah, Justin's a shy, reclusive sort of dude. Okay. Well, so, I gotta, I gotta say, uh, sorry, you know, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, never mind. You're not an asshole. You're a bitch. I'm calling you a bitch for apologizing. Oh, you're a bitch. What is this philosophy of yours? I'm, I'm calling you a bitch for apologizing to someone you just called a bitch on the bitch calling segment. So, I'm, I'm calling you a bitch for having a beard instead of a mustache. I I also have a mustache. Touche. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> well, you know what? Honestly, I, I really uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast, and I have been a fan of yours for a very long time, uh, especially uh, someone who really uh, has a philosophy like yours where you, you kind of... Um, I don't agree with the chivalry thing, but I do agree with the flashy, you know, uh, art art form style that you have. And, uh, you know, once again, I, I really appreciate you coming on, and hopefully we'll have you on again in the near future, man. Oh, I look forward to it. Shout-outs to Upstate Tekken. Love you guys! <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you again, and we'll go ahead and catch you later, brother. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, stay tuned on avoidingthepuddle.com. We're going to have all kinds of shit like we always do. 
catch you guys later.